Welcome to the Charity Matters Podcast. Mr. Rogers' mother said, always look for the helpers. I'm Heidi Johnson, nonprofit founder, lifelong helper, and your host. I've been interviewing the helpers for a decade with my blog, and I'm so excited to finally be sharing these inspiring conversations with our new podcast. Join me as we learn the challenges and stories of innovators, entrepreneurs, and modern-day heroes who set out to solve the problems of humanity. Today, our guests are Richard Garcia and Erica Silar, the co-founders of Alma's Backyard Farm. And I'm excited to share their incredible journey and our inspiring conversation. Hi, Erica. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Richard. How are you? Good. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Basically, what I really wanted to share is is the story of Almost Gardens, of how, first of all, what you guys do and and how you got started. So for those people that don't, aren't familiar with your work, um, tell us what you what you guys do at, at Almost Backyard Farms. Yeah, so um, thank you for having us. Um, Richard and I co-founded Alma in 2013, so... We're actually just about seven years old, I guess. Um, wow. And we we got um, we got our start in, in backyards, um, hence our name, Alma Backyard Farms. Um, but I'll let Richard kind of talk more about sort of our startup story mm-hmm. and um, how and really what I guess inspired um, us to 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 really um, start Alma. Yes. So. Um, I like how you refer to Verbum Dei as the verb, and I've, I've heard that used. So Alma um, mean, means soul, and uh, our work is intended to satisfy the deeper hungers of the soul, uh, that being community, um, a place to thrive, um, um, kinship, connection, um, that's why we chose Alma, and Alma is also the street where we first started. So um, now backyard, um, there's a there's a t- term called nimbyism, where where we have this tendency to say things are are you know they don't pertain to us. It's not in my backyard. The the issues that we have worked with um, predominantly. Is, is around food insecurity, food justice, and criminal justice, reentry work, helping folks who have been um, spent part of their lives incarcerated and are reentering, helping them reenter through uh, training uh, that takes place throughout urban ag- agriculture. Um, so backyard, it's kind of a it's kind of a play because um, we 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 believe that that. The work we do makes um, these issues that are challenging and difficult sometimes to talk about. We we uh, we believe in making it palatable. Oh, I love that. Oh, um, I love that. So that we could acknowledge that it is in our backyard. It is in our backyard that Los Angeles is um, uh, challenged with with uh, high rates of food insecurity, um, and we're challenged with. Um, in South LA, particularly, uh, disproportionately more parolees than than any other um, 
part in the in the city. So um, those those are issues that are in our backyard, and uh, I think we we want to face those issues um, head on and forward. Um, and then and then farms. Um, I know there's there's farms is is use farms because um, we intend to grow and produce volume, and I think. Um, um, I know Erica says this often that, that technically speaking, um, when when you identify yourself as a farm according to the the USDA, you um, you grow at least a thousand pounds of uh, marketable uh, vegetables, and so a thousand dollars a thousand dollars worth. Yeah. Sorry, thousand dollars worth. Um, but we 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 aim to grow in volume so we could feed people um, and. And that, that explains our, our, um, our name, Alma Backyard Farms, and we, we go by Alma for short. Um, and, um, you know, oftentimes enough, everyone thinks Erica is Alma. Um, You know. Which is what I thought. I mean, I, I I thought the same thing. I mean, when I was like, okay, who's Erica? Like, I was thinking there must be someone named Alma, and who shouldn't I be talking to Alma? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> always looking for Alma. They're like, where is she? Who? Is she? <laughs> yeah, it's a little deeper than just um, a person's name. Well, so I always say you don't wake up and start a nonprofit. I mean, it is it is such hard work. And and I don't think people realize how hard it is to run a business that serves humanity and that relies on the kindness of others. And it is incredibly hard work. So how did you two get to this place? What seven years ago, what what happened of all the people I've interviewed? Almost all of them can tell you the moment that or the that the steps, the things that triggered it that said, we have to do this. So what, what's the, what was that story and what were those moments for you two so that I'll, brought you to this? Yeah, I'll share a little bit about our previous work and then Richard can share the story, that particular story that really captures that moment where we said we have to, we have to go deeper into this work. Um, both Richard and I have worked um for several years um, with people in transition. Um, I met Richard when I was an undergrad at LMU. Um, I was actually an incoming freshman, and I was going in as an education major. And um, Richard was running an after-school program at Dolores Mission in Boyle Heights. Um, no, Dolores Mission. Yeah, <laughs> it's a 
um, Richard was looking for uh, tutors um, for the after school program that he had just gotten off the ground. Um, an after school program that was really started to give children uh, a safe space in a neighborhood that is, um, um, you know, overrun by gang violence and, and, and really like a lack of safe spaces for children. So, um, first question that Richard asked me at that point was, what's your GPA? Um, what's your GPA and can you sign up to tutor? And so, um, I think I was uh, entering LMU with like a, a, a you know a 4.0 coming from St. Matthias and in, uh, in Downey. Oh. Um, and anyway, I I, I quickly um, fell in love with uh, with with Dolores Mission and Boyle Heights community. Um, so we 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 worked together there um, as an LMU student myself, um, really uh, uh, you know coordinating students to, to to volunteer and spend time in the community. Um, and really, you know, just learn about, um, a different, a different community, um, and have our hearts be broken, um, and then have the experience of our hearts being put back together, um, in the very same community. And so we, um, I went on to work at, at Homegirl Cafe, so at Homeboy Industries, um, shortly after, um, my senior year of college, um, where Homegirl had just moved from, it's Boyle Heights location to Chinatown and um, had grown dramatically in size and was not prepared with staff. Um, So I joined the homegirl cafe team, um, you know, in 2008 to, to really support the team there and, and help grow the training program and the restaurants so that we could go from, you know, people waiting four hours for a taco plate to waiting, you know, a good 15 minutes um, to create a space for, for the women to not only have, you know, solid job training, but a space where they could embrace um, being a mother and being a woman, uh, a sober woman um, in this new, in this new phase of their life. And so, Richard ended up, um, he had worked at Homeboy Industries before and had come back uh, to Homegirl Cafe to, to work with us and help develop a few different components of the training program, um, including a gardening aspect. So we started experimenting with the idea of um, the entire food process of growing, preparing, and serving. And so a lot of the women that we were working with had never grown vegetables or really um, – you know, had much exposure to what growing food is like. And so it was an opportunity for us to to build our training um, components to include a growing aspect um, so that um, women could really have an opportunity outside of the hustle and bustle of, like, the restaurant world um, right. to really process a lot of what was happening in their lives and um, to just explore other opportunities. And so... Um, it was during that work at Homegirl Cafe that it's sort of the, 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 the fire was, was, um, was, was ignited, um, in our hearts to really pursue, um, to pursue Alma and to want to go into, um, the, the urban agriculture part of food so I, I a bit more. And Richard can share more about um, a particular story and even think, his own, um, um, um you know, training and, and, and I think, I career think path. There, there is one, um, 
Because there's, there's always a moment. I mean, there's always that moment. that moment. At least everyone that, that I've talked emerges, to has a moment where they just, the pieces come um, together in, in and you know spaces. you're, whether it's the, you're the being moment, called or whatever um, you want to, whatever you want to label it. But it's when similar. you know you have so it, to act. It may be the same moment happening at, at different because most people wouldn't do this work if there wasn't that lives. deep, I, I, that moment. So because there's, there's probably what, like, what connected like those final dots? Obviously, moments. you guys were growing food and, and home girl. They're moments and you're of obviously listening. already so working with um, they're moments people of coming out of prison. The moment is the one of listening so where, where the stories how, emerge. How did you get from there um, or, or to the where invitation emerged for, for us to, 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 um, to be waist deep in this, if not deeper, in, in this work? So, like... Um, I'm a Loyola High School grad, and I remember my Cubs. I, I, I remember my junior year, and Greg Boyle presided over Mass, and I had an interest in 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 in, um, in priesthood, ordained ministry, and I think as a junior at Loyola, uh, hearing Greg preach was an invitation to consider. Um, what God might have in mind, um, and I, you know, what's that? That moment is is an invitation to to um, as 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 Greg puts it, choose to be chosen, um, to recognize that that um, God loves you without measure and without regret, and I think that that moment has 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 revealed itself um, time and time again. And I think it's more pronounced in certain, um, at certain stages in life. So that, that was high school. And then, then I'll just kind of fast track because I don't have to go through every, every, <laughs> of this. but the moment um, when we decided that um, urban farming um, is, is a means to, to nourish the soul um, is 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 a, is is one way that that that's revealed this experience of of, of God loving us without regret um, was when we were tending um, a small farm plot at Dolores Mission again. This is when this is post my youth ministry days there. Um, so I was driving down with a homegirl named Sarah and. We had just left one small farm plot at a house to tend this farm plot on on Third Street and Gless in Boyle Heights, right? Um, right. <laughs> composition of place. This is very Ignatian, right? It's where you are, where your feet land. Right. So we were driving down the street. We were on Gless, um, and I noticed Sarah to be visibly shook. And she was quiet, the sort of quiet that you could really hear. Um, and so I turned to her, and, I, and, and she was staring out the window. And then she says to me that the last time she was there, um, they were there to do a drive-by shooting. And so she says this to me, and then when we park, 
And then we have our seedlings, our tray of seedlings that we're going to plant into the ground. She says to me, the last time I was here, we were going to take away a life. And the time that I'm here now, we're planting life. Um, so wow. it, it was, it was an, a revelation that, that perhaps, perhaps, perhaps farming with previously incarcerated and system impacted folks, perhaps this is a way to heal. It, it stuck with me, um, because because it allowed for that road to be traveled um, where someone could have that oh, deep gosh. of a reflection. Um, this was in right. her. And <coughs> so wow. we, we decided, wow, I just got chills. you know, from, from inductive reasoning, this is another Loyola high type of thing <laughs> from inductive reasoning <laughs> that from this one experience, perhaps there could be uh, repeated instances of it. And I can, I can attest to the reality that there have been repeated instances of this moment. My arm is standing up. Well, I, yeah, I would think so in the past seven years, of course. But so then did you just turn, did you just say, okay, all right, Erica, like we're leaving home, girl. Let's go find some property. Let's go do this. I mean, there's a lot that happens that makes this all come together. You know, what, how did you end up getting the land? And, and, and then talk to me, maybe Erica, a little bit about some of the challenges you guys have had. Because yeah. you can't start a business without challenges. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> That's like hand in hand. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, so there was um, the moment with Sarah was was um, close to – so we were at a point at Homegirl Cafe where, um, you know, we, we had gotten the, the, the restaurant in a place where um, it was thriving, and the the homegirls were thriving. Um, we had, you know, the, the space was was um, was good to everyone, um, and there was room for growth. Um, but there was a little bit of resistance um, with the growth, um, as usually happens. Um, and so it there it would just came to be that it was time for us to move on. It was time for us to explore something else and to really dig deeper into exploring, um, you know, what sort of work we could go into. And so 
um, we, we really started looking at backyards. Like how could we utilize um, underutilized space? So take backyards right. that are not being you know, maximized in Los Angeles and create these like mini farms um, to grow food, to really nourish um, people and provide opportunities for folks who are reentering. Um, and so, you know, backyard farming presented its own challenges because, you know, we, we as an organization needed to secure a lease. Um, and it wasn't very easy to um, secure leases with, you know, right. homeowners. Um, right. And so uh, we, 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 um, the first backyard that we had installed actually during our homegirl days was on Alma Avenue. Um, that's Richard's house, which we still, um, it's active today and, and remains, you know, a backyard farm. Um, and then we, we, we explored some backyards and really early on learned that um, in order for us to increase our impact and scale up, um, we needed to, you know, look into a different strategy. And so right. we we looked into partnering with reentry homes, um, you know, looking at, you know, the backyards and reentry homes and, and the folks who were reentering. Um, and so having a greater impact, we started facilitating programming for folks. Um, we would manage the outside and the um, reentry housing program would manage the inside. And um, right. um you know, around 2015 or so, um, a friend said, you know, I'm at this parish in Compton at St. Albert the Great, and there's a lot of land. There's a lot of land that isn't being used on this church property. And at this point, we were in South L.A., um, so Compton's just another 15 minutes south. Um right. We, um, Richard actually knew the former pastor at St. Albert's, and so we, we, we came out for a site visit, and um, I think the land was just, you know, waiting for us. So we, um, wow. this is actually where we today. So so on the property of St. Albert, the great church and school, it used to be a softball field, um, a softball field that I actually played softball on when I was a kid. Oh, I love that. So, um just kind of a funny way. Uh, so when we look at land or when we've looked for land, um, we're looking in places that are food insecure and that um, you have a high rate of parolees um, where, where, where these, the issues that we really address are, right. are communities. So that the solution and part of the solution is really in the very same neighborhood. Participants. We work with with other agencies that are providing other um, you know resources and support. So um, yeah, we work we, we work with um, the anti recidivism coalition ARC, um, mm-hmm. also Homeboy Industries, um, right. and oftentimes it's just you know people in the in the community who approach us and are just ready um, ready for a change, and so. Um, yeah, we have found that, that that partnering with other agencies has been most beneficial um, for folks um, to receive sort of um, all of the services that are needed at that point in their 
life. Um, so like we don't provide mental health services and while the space is therapeutic and there are a lot of healing right. restorative components to our work, um, they can receive mental health support from another agency. If they're in need of housing, that's another, you know, support from another agency. And right. what, what we provide is uh, the space and agency for them to give back um, to the community to help rebuild communities and also job training, all the job training um, with urban agriculture and, and the traits that surround urban agriculture with um the way that we urban ag, so like carpentry and landscaping, irrigation, and all these other um, trades, um, the, the restaurant and hospitality industry that kind of come along with food and building food systems. So, yeah. Um, it, it, so it, we've been working up to a hundred people a year that go through our training program. The pandemic wow. obviously, you know, shifted that. But so um, aside from the training program, program the we have you, um, how do you end up getting eight your, individuals um, who are on our team as um, you know part-time yeah, associates yeah, who have gone through the training program are employed full-time by. Um, by someone else now, and then they they're they're committed to to you know remaining a part of Alma and continuing to improve um, operations and distribution. Right now, they're at the front lines of our um, grocery kit giveaways that we're doing um, during the pandemic, right. um, and at the front lines of our build outs. <laughs> Got it. So what, I mean, what would you, um, how many um, people do you guys typically have helping with you, helping you or how many um, people are in your program a year do you have? Does it just depend? Right. Yeah, I think I think it's um, there is that sense of foolishness that you have to believe that something can be, um, and you're only going to find out if you 
you do it. Um, and and to know that you know that if That's we're awesome. not so well, I, I we can't say that um, can't do anything well for anyone else. Um, I mean, you, you two are partners, so I think like to, to reiterate, it's like good sleep, a because good spiritual like life, good prayer, just making um, work, and eating well. Like I mean, like, like those three things and exercise, four things are like something that we can't will keep us grounded and going. Oh my gosh, it's coming for me. From all ends, have I raised this amount of money? Have I taken uh, care of this in the program? You know, am I, I helping this person? Like, and I am I completely being there? Really am I doing everything I can do? Person at heart, like an older person and when those at buckets heart, are heavy, um, when we have those days, there, there is, there which is I think happen more often than people think, realize in this work, um, because we feel you know, the, of, the pressure of, of someone relying on us that we need to care for. What you know? What fuels you to keep going? I have a graduate degree in pastoral theology. But I, I can't help but when say you just are, you know, probably it's my most hard. impactful what theological it's, courses it's hard. were in high school um, where, you know, you're, you're 16 and you're 17, you're 18, and then you hear something like love is a choice that you have to make. Um, and so you ponder that for the rest of your life if you hear it at right. 14, 15, 16, whatever. And right. so I think that that being said, it's there is a discipline um, with, with love where you have to choose it every day. So it, it may not always feel wonderful, um, but there is the, the edifying, deeper edifying feeling of knowing that um, the, ch- the choice to love happened. So it doesn't, it doesn't always, there's a lot of, um, some, someone once described farming as, you know, picking up, picking things up and putting things down. And that sometimes feels like the whole day. Yeah. You're, you're picking things up, putting things down. Um, you're loading, you're offloading. Um, and then, um, you know, I think, um, I, I think it's, 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 you know, the, the other day someone picked up kale. Okay. Someone picked up kale and it, they're, they're preparing um, this kale and they're cooking it down with like, bacon or something like that and then they they're preparing it for for um right a kitchen that that serves homeless folks and then she looked around she looked around and she said to me i could see you love what you do um and i thought that was one of the nicest compliments like it was she kept it real okay she looked around right and and there is this there is this meticulousness about how we 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 orchestrate the space because our intention is is for people to to really be um, have a sense of presence in the space. So th- that there like that is also fuel. Um, yes. Yes, and there's something very there's something that fuels us knowing that, um, and you know it's it's kind of these 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 you know the day sometimes gets peppered with like really nice things, but but you got to kind of pay attention to it. So so I, I was just gonna say so in San Pedro, someone walked by. And um, 
she's like, where did you get your seedlings? Because they look good. And then I told her, you know, we, we started these from seed. And I said, if you want a bunch, we had we had collards and cauliflower greens and, and, and uh, peppers and, and, and egg eggplants out there. And I said, if you want anything, just come on by. If, if, you're, if you're walking, we'll, we'll hook you up with, with a bag right. of veggies, right? And she says, you know, I just want to say God bless you on this day as you rock and roll. And, and I was like, you know that? That little compliment or whatever well wish right. that, that, right. that was, I felt it. It yeah. fueled me five hours in the sun. Wow, that was cool. That was a really cool moment. Um, Because that love, that love goes through everything, right? It, that love that your passion is contagious to everybody else that's there. And it continues all the way through to the person who's probably eating the meal that, of the food that you grew. Yes, you're you're right. Um, um, well, you know, love hate relationship oh, with the word impact. Um, it's a question that we all have to answer. You know, what's your qualitative, quantitative impact? Um, what's your method of evaluating that? Um, and it's inevitable that 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 people who are who are generous supporters who steward their money or steward you know. Uh, foundations money um, th th those are those are those are answers that uh, or questions that I, I think will you know help help challenge and keep people honest in a way um, but I, I, I I've, I've shared this story and I you know I, I've not I've not articulated it well in, enough but 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 I'll, I'll, I'll say this so we provide a space right. it fueled you uh, for folks re-entering right. to acquire new skills, right, right. drive and life skills. And so there's a well, measurable I, I, I mean I do think that I and I think that in when we're in persons a year the nonprofit space, um, we don't get um, um we don't get for many of them the first we don't do it for the money. That they're it's certainly not for financial reasons that we do this work. And we get paid in different uh, ways. Like and that song. the payment are those compliments. The payment is being able to see love in action. The, the payment is seeing the very grace and of, seeing of teaching um, someone how to pull witnessing that generosity. Song. I mean, we get paid in such and, different and so ways, I'm right? I mean, we get paid in such different ways of, in the work that we do that, that um, sets us 
apart um, from folks we entry, people that are working in a factory. Um, there's there's a just something very different that, about that about it, um, the, what we do with humanity and all our and all of and, our work. And, and, and when we talk about you know, is, impact, which is, is, is a word is that, that I really uh, truly have their, a love hate relationship because uh, all the grants, all the foundations, everyone wants to measure impact. And I always think like. In how some real cases, part of, part of that leadership? is having to How do you trigger? measure uh, what you're so doing? So there's a moment when you when you guys think about how you measure. I don't know if it's uh, the dollars the people serve or it's something more soulful. Where um, and I what would you say this, your impact is? And I think is? There's no, where, there's no grand answer uh, here. It's no, there doesn't have to be a technical answer. What would you say your impact is at Alma? That their hands can create good. Wow. Their hands can create good. And in, in, and in pulling, in pulling that trigger, it's, it's, it's a transformation, um, where, um, where a hundred people may learn how to pull the trigger and cut precisely a piece of lumber. But what's really taking place is the real possibility that a hundred people, um, are being trusted and, and there's wow. trust restored. And so, um, it's powerful. How, how could you, how could you measure that? Like when they do right. it, right. there, there is, there is the, the, um, the reality where, where they may not get it on the first try. Um, but, but, but I, I wanted to share this story with you because, you know, um, you know, Actually, I'll, this, this is, this is the background to why we approach the way we approach with regards to teaching. So when I was coaching basketball at Dolores Mission, I came across a good Jesuit who said to me, he said to me this. He says to me, um, you gotta get your ego out the way and it, it is not about winning. He said, every kid has to play and get the chance to play because, because the real job is to teach them to love the game. Right. Right. And this is, you know, we had done so much work and, and we, we, okay. Well, in terms of the winning, and I know this may be the ego part, we were undefeated that season. First time ever. Like the kids were winners on the court and. The crazy thing is, it was after having swallowed that advice to forget about winning. Um, so it's right. in regards to getting somebody to a point where they could they could commit to a job. What what really has to take place first is getting them to commit to loving their lives. Right. Because then right. you do your job because you right. have life. So right. that that's the thing like Wow. That's yeah. the thing that if you if you want to measure impact, uh yeah, I yes. It's a, it is. And so um
like we've been talking about this. Um, so I think somehow, some way, there's a, the, the cross fertilization where um, the, the issues of food justice and criminal justice they, they they've met. Right. And I think like at this point in the evolution of Alma is is is. I know, also, I know a lot of them. I know a lot of them. I know a lot of them. Affordable housing. So oftentimes, folks who who are re-entering, that's a challenge they face. Right. Like, so there's there's a couple dreams, right? But 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 it, it has to do with if if, if there's, there's a there's an opportunity to to farm. Um, a large space and provide housing. That's that's one of them. But but I think the dream is is this. Like I think it's it's there's there's a concept of, of the agro. Okay, Richard, I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> where you have housing you that's developed season. around the farm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so there, it's it's comparable to like if you um, some 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 homes are built around a, a country club, right? Right, right. This would be a farm, right? Interesting. So the I thing love is, that. It's 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 it tends to 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 be probably more exclusive of an environment because it's it's not as affordable, right? What 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 we love to do for Los Angeles is if we can, you know, rehab blocks, right? If we could rehab homes where there's somehow a connection across all front yards and all backyards. Uh, or yeah. create agri-hood in the hood. It's immeasurable. That's immeasurable. What about you, Erica? Do you have a dream that's different or is it the same dream? It's, I mean, I think it's all connected. It's the So it's a dream that we've been, you know, living out already that has, you know, there are many stages or phases to this right. dream, but it's... It has to do more with with food and accessibility um, and affordability. And so it's our farm stand. Um, we've had a farm stand before the pandemic. We had to pause it because of the pandemic. And then for next year and the years to come, we're we're working on um, really reviving and relaunching our our, our farm stands um, in Compton and San Pedro as a space that really helps communities rebuild post uh, post COVID. Um, and yes, with food, but with a space, um, a space to, to allow for community to gather, um, a safe green space. Um, we often talk about this idea where people say, if it's, if I need something healthy, I have to drive out of the hood to go get it. And, right. and we want to change that so that it's something that you could walk to. You don't even have to drive. You could just walk to your neighborhood farm and have a space where you could have, um, access to, to, to high quality, um, produce and foods and, coffee and juices and, and 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 a venue space and so really taking this neighborhood farm concept um and um engaging like multiple layers of community community uh, in in the space um i love that so i know that i don't forget when people mention wine you mentioned chardonnay there there is a snippet of of um of the dream um with making wine? Um, no, Don't tell me that, Richard. I'm going to be parked off down there. <laughs> but, um, we've had, you know, with, with some Jesuit friends here, too, we've had a few glasses of, of, of good red wine. Oh, right? the Jesuits do like their cocktails. Okay. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Usually yeah. scotch, but that's okay. Go ahead. That's okay. But <laughs> <laughs> part of part of equity and and um, availability, and I'm not saying that that we're we're, we're a farm where you'll have your, your, your you know your your uh, five star dining experience, but we've actually had that experience because Rosso Blue Restaurant had a farm to table dinner here with wine right. pairings. And oh, it it would be great. You know, Compton was once known as as it was known, you know as as prime agricultural land. Oh, I never knew that. Right. So, they were probably orange groves, right? Or citrus groves probably? Yeah, <laughs> even, farming. Even, even, even like downtown area. Yeah, um, into like the hills by Elysian, and um, they were vineyards, like behind right. Union Station, and up into the hills were um, vineyards. And um, South LA was a lot of cattle, and um, um, just a lot of farmland. And actually, Compton still has quite a rich. Um, there's a lot of uh, farming still happening in Compton, where people like have cows and goats and horses in their backyards today. There's a lot of lessons that happen in this work. And there's a lot of lessons that really inspire a lot of people. And when you think about what life lessons you've learned and then really how they've changed you, you know, what are those lessons and how have you changed since this started? I'm just thinking about honesty. I'm thinking about the, the, the first the first word that came to mind when you when you said life lessons was uh, the importance of honesty to live a life that is honest. Um, and and. and uh, I think Richard often says this, and I think um, you say that, um, I think you say Father Greg Boyle says this, that to live as though the truth are that to live as though the truth is true. And um, you say Father Greg says that. The truth as if it was true. Yeah, and I think um, there are many life lessons, but I think if, if, you know, we talk about what fuels and, and, and what motivates and what gets you going every day, and it's that reminder to choose to choose to be chosen and to choose love. And I guess it's more than a lesson. Um, but I think if, if the, the, the lesson lies in, in, in um, embracing and, and accepting honesty um, and being honest in all of your um, relationships and, um, and, 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 and as, a, as a business, as a nonprofit business, being honest in, 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 in your transactions. Um, and stewardship with, with donors and supporters, um, stewardship with our um, beneficiaries. Um, and honesty, you just, you're not going to get very far if, um, without it. So I, I think that's at the core of like one of um, the values and lessons that I've, that I've learned um, is instrumental to, to, to really being able to live a life, not just for myself, but for others. Beautiful. Okay, Richard. Some of the lessons that I've learned, um, and um, the other, you know, we've just Eric and I have have had more more a sedentary role the past couple of weeks, insofar as we've had to um, we've had to uh, write up some grant applications that sort of thing. Um, it is the case, and 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 um, um, I, I could. I could attest to it that um, that that money follows mission. Um, 
mission comes first. The money will follow. But I, I, I do believe like what Eric is saying in terms of, of honesty. If, you're, if, if you work with, with a, a heart full of honesty towards the fulfillment of your mission, it, it will follow. And, and, I, and I say this, I know it's like, you know, you know I could hear the critique about faith, faith-based funding. Well, essentially, as believers, we believe that God will provide. And, and I, I, you know, that, that's not just in our own history of existence, but it's in our ancestral history. And so, like, even now with, with the COVID-19 crisis, I, I think knowing that our, 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 the faith of our mothers and fathers, those have gone before us, just knowing that they've experienced redemption and God's come through, I'm not saying don't worry and, and just go about your day without wearing a mask. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that um, we have to be vigilant, not just of social distancing, but really of of the emergence of, of God. And I think... You know, there's a life lesson. It's, it's, it's that God works through the challenges, not apart from it, not a distance from it, but through them. And so, like, I'm anticipating that there are challenges ahead. Um, and, and I think growing to be comfortable with the uncomfortable has been one of my lessons that I've, I've, I've learned to appreciate. Um, so that's, that's um, a good one because I think the whole world is growing to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think we're all going through that right now. Don't you think? I mean, every person on this planet in some way has had their life shifted from this. Every single human in some way has been impacted by this. And I think that's, that's exactly we are have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I think that's exactly, I was trying to think of my, my life lesson for 2020 or my, my word for 2020. And, you know, all the people keep saying, Oh, pivot, you know, we've pivoted and all these trendy words people are using. And I was thinking, but it's, it speaks exactly to your, what you're saying. My word really was patience. My word that I've decided the word of 2020 for me is patience and learning that I have to be, comfortable with the questions, which is what makes me uncomfortable, right? I'm uncomfortable with why am I not going to church? Why are my children not going to school? Why am I not seeing my family at the holidays? You know, I'm uncomfortable with all of that, but that's the question. And so for me, I have to be comfortable with those questions and being comfortable with those questions means being patient. And so that's kind of what I've like, it's it's just that we're thinking the same thing in a different, and we're saying in a different way, but it's, you're speaking to me, Richard. You're speaking to me because it's exactly what I literally wrote about this um, the other day. I was writing about patience. Like th- th- that's really my takeaway from this year. And I love the growing to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because I think that that is beautifully said. That's exactly that's exactly it. Well, there's so much. Um, we've all just had so much that we've we've had to learn with this year. And I think nonprofits especially. I mean, it's always so hard. Um, the work we do is hard regardless, and then COVID has just made it, has made us all, and so many nonprofits haven't survived. Some have thrived, some have not. Um, you know, we've, the nonprofit that I run, the Catholic Youth Leadership Organization that I run, we've, we've, we've pivoted, 
<laughs> we used that word and we thrived, but, um, but it was hard. It was really, really hard, but we've, but we've done it. Um, so I just, I have to thank you guys so much for all your time, but I want to know where can we support you? How can we get involved? Tell us where to find you on social media, on your website, on every last thing. Huge shout out for Alma. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for having us, um, to share with you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, you can, you can find us, um, we we have a website, um, almabackyardfarms.com and we are on Instagram at almabackyardfarms. Um, we, um, we're always in need of prayers. We're always Yay. in need of prayers. Um, yeah, and, and, and like all nonprofits, we rely, um, heavily on the generosity of our supporters, um, who we are extremely grateful for. Um, and so if you are excited about food justice and um, re- restorative justice and, and criminal justice, then um, we, we invite you to reach out to us. And, um, you know, we're, we're not um, because of COVID, um, we don't have too many visits going on now, but um, we invite you to, to, to get involved in one way or another with with um, with our work, whether that be, um, you know, physical, uh, physically distanced or financial. Um, but, um, yeah, we're just, we're just excited to be where we are excited to dream for the years ahead and, um, are just grateful that, that we have the opportunity to be able to do the, the work that, that, that we do and, and to be able to continue to be outdoors and have our hands in the dirt, um, is, uh, uh, exciting for us. So, um, we hope that you get to visit one day. Oh, I can't, I, I can't wait to visit um, two things. One, I can't wait to come to this community garden and have a fabulous glass of Chardonnay and dinner in your beautiful garden with the community and the vegetables and the coffee place and everything. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see myself there, the twinkle lights. I can hear the music. I, I, already, ha- I, can, I already have it. And I can't wait to go um, maybe to Nickerson Gardens one day to um, – the uh, the new neighborhood. Na- what's it? Neighbor- How do you say this word? The word the agrihood. 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 Yeah. That because boy, if I mean, I just think about communities across the country, and and good things always set trends, and good things happen. And I just think that so many communities, and not just in Southern California, need what you're doing. And um, and I just think that you guys are really building a beautiful model for so many people to follow and organizations to follow. There's so many beautiful ways that you're changing humanity and you're changing the environment and you're changing community and you're feeding people in, in, in physical ways and in spiritual mental ways. And I think that there is nothing more beautiful than that. So thank you so, so much for what you're doing. And, um, and I'm just excited to share and hopefully inspire people to support you and get involved and and just even open their minds. You know, so many people just don't realize all the good work that's happening in their communities. And there's just so much negativity in this world. And if we can just shine a little light on the goodness that's happening, I think it just makes our world a better place. And that's that's my personal mission is to just make sure the light is being shined on the right people and the right work and 
so that we're focusing on what's important, which is taking care of each other. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You guys have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the charity matters podcast. I really enjoyed talking to Richard and Erica about what it takes to start a business that changes people's lives. I think Erica's comment about living a life that is honest and to live as though the truth were true was so inspiring and true. To learn more about these modern day heroes and entrepreneurs, or if you'd like to reach out to us, visit us at charity-matters.com or connect with us on Instagram at Charity Matters. If you enjoyed our conversation, we'd love it if you shared this with your friends and family. Because together, we can make a difference, one small act of kindness at a time. Thank you.